Welcome to another episode of Cancer Specialist Medical Minute with Dr. Rick and Dr. Danny. I'm Dr. Rick. And I'm Dr. Danny, and we're excited to be back for another episode of Medical Minute. Do we have a joke, Rick? That's your department. Okay. Let me tell you a good one. I'm getting way too close to the mic here. So our social worker brought a very good joke written on the board right in front of me. So I'm going to read it to you. What did the fish say when it ran into a brick wall? Not sure. Damn. Get it? It's pretty good. It's very Thanks, Laura. Complex. Appreciate you. <laughs> all right. So, Danny, I don't know if you've been paying attention to the news at all, but all I see is uh, these reports of COVID-19 rising back in the news, especially here locally in Northeast Florida. Yeah, we've had it really rough here in Northeast Florida. The hospitals are staying quite busy, a lot of sick patients. Um, the Delta variant, which I'm sure a lot of you have heard about, has been running rampant here in Jacksonville and even St. John's County. And we want to give you a little bit more information on, uh, you know, the state of the uh, Jacksonville community here and what our thoughts are on uh, the transmission of the virus and what we've been seeing in the hospitals. Um, Rick, did you uh, did you read up on the Delta variant? Do you know what we're talking about? I do. Yep. You know, I even... I couldn't avoid hearing about this one as someone who doesn't watch much TV news coverage. Even I couldn't miss it. Yeah, I get pretty, uh, it, every article I read, it gets more depressing, I think, because you read about it's probably harder to avoid getting infected than it is getting infected with this virus, even with the vaccinated individuals who are having somewhat of breakthrough infections. So this Delta variant is a uh, variant of the coronavirus that um, first showed up in India and has spread to multiple countries throughout the, the world and now is kind of running through Jacksonville here as well as other parts of the country. And what we're seeing is that uh, the data showing it's much more transmissible. Um, majority of patients who are admitted to the hospitals, I work at uh, the Beaches Hospital, and what we're seeing is a majority are still unvaccinated in individuals. So I think, you know, there's some still uh, comfort level being vaccinated that you're going to have protection at, at a minimum from getting a severe illness related to a COVID-19 infection, whether that's the Delta variant or a different variant. But um, this Delta variant is definitely running rampant for unvaccinated individuals, affecting all age groups from children to adults. Um, we, of course, worry more about our older adults who are on cancer treatments and how it's impacting them and their, their treatment and, and their families. Um, you know, I think, why did the Delta variant become what it is, you know, and, and, and a more transmissible, maybe even a, a more serious illness than the original version? Um, you know, it's, it's due to mutations in the virus. and. Um, that happens over time because as the virus spreads from person to person, it becomes smarter. You know, just like any any infection, this happens with a variety of viruses out there that if it spreads, it's going to eventually find ways to spread easier and cause potentially even a, a worse infection. Um, have you, Rick, seen, you know, much of a difference in the patients you're treating, more, more cases of coronavirus or... How has it impacted, you know, your day-to-day -day and who you're treating? Well, I think first, back up a few steps here. You know, I think one of the important things to understand is sort of why and how viruses mutate. And I think to push back a little bit, Danny, I think you're saying, you know, the virus is trying to do this. Try, it's, it's not really, obviously, I think you know that. I think it's 
we like to think in layman's terms of a virus mutating in that it's trying to become stronger, it's trying to spread easier, but really what's happening is when viruses replicate in your body or outside of your body, the way the genetic code is replicated has, is prone to error, and viruses replication in general is prone to more error than when human um, cells replicate and their genetic code is replicated. And so when you introduce these changes or errors in genetic code, it can lead to changes in protein. Um, the spike protein is the one everyone talks about because it's the one that uh, two of the major vaccines were developed to target. And so in this Delta variant, what they've seen is that there are protein changes in the spike protein in the structure of the spike protein itself. And whether that happened because this virus is more contagious, and that's probably why it is becoming the dominant strain in that all it takes is a handful of these mutations that make it more contagious, then it becomes the predominant strain of the virus. So it's, I think one of the things that is, it's tough to kind of, especially even still for me, you know, you really have to view it as it's not the virus necessarily trying to get stronger or better. It's just random sort of mutations mm -hmm. that lead, that lead to it becoming more contagious. So that's that's one. So to answer your question about am I seeing more cases in clinic, it thankfully hasn't spread to the outpatient clinic, but where I'm seeing it is, is in the inpatient mm -hmm. setting. I mean, I think, you know, we're all seeing the hospital numbers across St. John's, Duval, and Clay County, you know, unfortunately going up. And as you said, the majority of the folks who are in the hospital are unvaccinated. So I, I think I'm seeing it more on the inpatient side. Hasn't quite translated to the outpatient side, although um, we did have to pause a treatment on somebody who became infected. Um, I don't know if it was the Delta variant or not, right. but right. but that's where I'm seeing it is more in the hospital, in the, in the moderate to high acuity setting. Right. Yeah. The more, I mean, the more the virus is being transmitted person to person, the more chance for these different variants to occur. And Thinking about it, like you said, is the virus not itself learning ways to become smarter and, and spread easier, but there's more chance that it becomes uh, a more transmissible, potentially more infectious, more severe infection as it as it rep replicates and, and mutates over time. Um, but each each mutation is kind of different and, and might have different implications. So when it comes down to the vaccine, you know, majority of people at CSNF have been vaccinated, uh, thankfully, and we are encouraging all of our employees who haven't gotten vaccinated to really go in and get an appointment to get vaccinated. I think the vaccines have been still very effective against this variant, and there's definitely data out there to show that breakthrough infections are still relatively rare. Um, I think New England Journal just had an article posted that of about 40 or so patients, I don't remember the exact number, but they only had about a less than 1% breakthrough infection rate when they looked at a group of, uh, group of individuals. So, but I, I think, you know, in terms of breakthrough infections, um, a majority of time that individuals are infected with coronavirus who have been vaccinated, um, the severity of illness is less than those unvaccinated. Absolutely. And the risk of hospitalization is much, much lower. Um, risk of death, you know, much, much lower. So again, uh, public service announcement to get vaccinated if you're not vaccinated. You know, when, when we think about where are we going from here and, and this variant, and then you hear about Lambda variant, all these other variants that are moving across the world, you know, this is a, a global pandemic. You know, we can't control what to a certain extent comes in and out of the country. I mean, this variant came from a different part of the world, 
just as a variant that may start here, it could be transmitted somewhere else in the world. Um, so, you know, I've been listening to some podcasts to kind of figure out, you know, a year or two years from now, what are we going to be dealing with? Is it going to be another variant? How are we going to kind of, you know, get the infrastructure in place to just manage the infection? I think vaccinations are the first and foremost. You know, is it going to be something where we get just better uh, drugs that, you know, in addition to the vaccine to control symptoms from the disease? Because more and more it's getting to a point where it's uh, looking kind of grim in terms of eradicating it. You know, I don't know what your thoughts are, Rick. No, I mean, I think it's pretty clear this is going to be an endemic issue, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, like the flu, in that hopefully we can get to the point where we have our top epidemiologists tracking different variants and different types, and maybe you get an annual booster shot or semi-annual or every, you know, who knows what the right frequency will be, and then Mm -hmm. that will hopefully prevent the majority of hospitalizations and severe illnesses from it. But I think it's definitely, it's not going anywhere. And it's something we're going to be living with for possibly forever. Um, You know, it's just, this is mother nature in the world. We can't expect a sterile environment every time we do anything. And so it's, you know, hopefully folks smarter than myself are tracking these things and coming up with ways and future solutions for just like this amazing turnaround that we created a vaccine and the fastest it's ever been made and never really had a vaccine quite as efficacious to the original strain. So, I mean, I think we should be celebrating that more than we are. You know, I think a lot of that gets, we took for granted the fact that, you know, people, I remember when this started, we were talking about waiting years for a vaccine to get developed and Mm -hmm. it it didn't happen. It happened much faster. So I think there's a lot of positives too, in terms of moving the field of infectious disease forward and epidemiology forward. So hopefully some of the, that that will outweigh some of the negatives that have come out of this pandemic when it comes to public health and, and safety. You know, I think the other interesting thing to point out is, you know, people want to know, well, if I get the vaccine, I can still get infected. And that's true. And, that, and that's true with any vaccine. Vaccines are not there to prevent the virus from landing on you. It's not a barrier. What it is, is it's repping your body, prepping your body for if you do get um, the infection that your body has the tools to fight it more effectively and quickly before it becomes a problem. So I think that's something that I just keep hearing over and over again. And it's just something that has never been true of of any vaccine. So it's unclear why now this is Mm -hmm. becoming an issue again when Mm -hmm. it hasn't been for decades so right just as another reminder right. doesn't prevent you from getting it it right. allows your body to fight it right so right just right. think it's important to emphasize that because exactly. it's something I, at least i hear a decent amount oh, in yeah. Clinic. Yeah. the rapid approval of the vaccine is one of the things that i think led to a lot of uncertainty and a little bit of angst as far as getting it versus not getting it not knowing what the long-term effects but uh, you know i think as far as effectiveness i mean you can maybe find a couple other vaccines for specific, you know, illnesses that might have a high efficacy like this one. But but in terms of this, the severity of illness and controlling that, we, we haven't seen anything like this. And I mean, we can vouch that there are some symptoms that come after usually the second dose of the vaccination, but very manageable. You know, we feel fine now. Um, I think the uh, the question of getting an added third dose of the vaccine is is the, the hot topic right now and figuring out everyone versus just some people should get it. And I think prioritizing the highest risk individuals is probably the right thing to do first. Um, but Or how about getting it to countries that 
need it too. Maybe we start that well, before we worry about giving people another shot here. That's true. Yeah, I mean, I think I think there are people that can kind of decide on how to how to send supplies where they need to go. I think prioritizing again people at risk, you know, and where where are people most at risk? Where do we need to help people, you know, in other areas of the world? Like you said, I think after two doses of the vaccination, you know, the efficacy even with the Delta variant is quite high. Um, you know, I think uh, I look back at that article that you mentioned, Rick, about it being about a different variant uh, in, in the breakthrough infections and vaccinated individuals, and it was the alpha variant. So the alpha variant, um, I think one of the initial, the initial variants that was identified, uh, breakthrough infections after vaccination were, were very rare, less than 1%. So um, I think it's breakthrough infections are much more common with the Delta variant, but it's still a relatively low number. Um, I think, you know, again, you're, you're trying to prevent serious illness and hospitalization. And that puts a large burden on the healthcare system, puts a large burden on the healthcare individuals who are there working to try to get, you know, patients better and, and get home to their families. But I just, um, again, I, I think, you know, the, the third dose of the vaccine, you know, like you said, Rick, I think prioritizing getting everyone two doses first is probably the right thing. You know, in terms of looking at efficacy, you know, and and the different vaccines out there, uh, I think they're teasing that out too. Johnson and Johnson vaccine. There's a lot of individuals that have gotten one dose of Johnson and Johnson because of the ease of administration, just going in for one shot. It might be less effective against the Delta variant, but if if that's the only one that you want to get and um, you, you'd rather not go for two doses, I think some some vaccination is better than none, and it has been shown to have some efficacy against the Delta variant. So again, just reiterating that point. Well, there are proteins on viruses that um, are kind of on the outer surface of the viruses, and uh, they are kind of the, the uh, places that it, it, it binds to cells in our body and, and kind of gets introduced into our system. So um, viruses over time, as Rick had said, replicate, and the more they replicate, um, they end up changing those proteins on their surface and the changes may be significant and they may be insignificant and the significant changes like with the delta variant is that it you know suggests what i've read is that it suggests that it's the replication rate has increased and that uh, the transmission is probably increased too and that's probably based on the binding sites and that it can bind and replicate more easy than the alpha or other variants out there so and and what rick was touching on is that every year we may be dealing with a new variant where these proteins are are different and mutate and that you know we may need a different or the same vaccine and in different doses to control the infection or to control the the symptoms and the severity of infection do you have any other points Rick? yeah i think it's just it's not intent right in terms of the virus isn't thinking it's not Ooh, look at this i can if I change this here, I can get into cells easier. It's complete happenstance, and you know, millions upon millions of these, like as Danny said, um, viruses are replicating every second. And sometimes, when there's errors in replication, it leads to changes in the virus, both on the outer, inner, all parts of it. And sometimes those changes are advantageous, and then that virus that has that advantageous change propagates more than the other one, so it becomes more dominant. And that's what's going on in the Delta variant is 
there's a one of the changes is on the binding site, um, as Danny was saying, on the spike protein that allows it to enter cells easier, get into human cells easier. And then there's also some reported changes into the how fast it's able to um, reproduce or how fast it's able to spread between cells in humans. So that's why it's probably becoming the dominant variant. When you look at viral epidemiology as a whole, and this is someone who I'm not a viral epidemiologist, <laughs> but I think the, 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 way, the, the way the lay person, at least, and I speak for myself as a lay person in this field, is you think about it as you have something like Ebola, which is a highly deadly virus that's pretty darn contagious. Well, why hasn't that taken over all over the world and everywhere? Part of it's obviously once someone gets that infection, you isolate them and get them away. But the other part of it is Unfortunately, the person who gets Ebola dies before they're able to spread it to multiple people. So usually when you look at the way viruses work, if they're super deadly, they don't typically spread very widely because the people who would spread them don't live to spread. When you get something like flu, it's very contagious, spreads very rapidly and everywhere. And for most people who get the flu, they get ill, but not sick enough where they're obviously passing away in most cases, or not sick enough where they're needing to be truly isolated for an extended period of time. So the virus is, makes people sick, but it also can spread because those people who are sick are not sick enough where they're not leaving the house, they're out and about doing things. And so coronavirus seems to be kind of striking this unfortunate sweet spot of, it's very contagious, it makes a lot of people really sick that gets them in the hospital and kills them, unfortunately, but enough people don't get sick enough where that happens and they're still propagating mm -hmm. the virus. So it's, you know, that's the way I look at it is sort of, you know, it's this balance of how easy can the virus spread and then how deadly is the virus if you get it. And so coronavirus, this coronavirus has kind of hit that sweet spot of it spreads pretty easily mm -hmm. and it's deadly enough in enough people where it's a big problem, but it's not deadly enough in everybody where the virus stops spreading. So I don't know if that was a long-winded analogy, right. but hopefully that cleared it up a little bit. And I think the fact of it being a novel virus where it's somewhat of a novel, right? Because you have, there were different SARS outbreaks, different types of coronavirus, but, but as far as the global response to something like this, this was new for most countries. Ebola and, and what you were talking about, Rick, was kind of an incubation period where you get infected. How soon do you present with symptoms? And do you even present with symptoms? With Ebola, everyone's going to have symptoms and most people die of it. And so then you recognize the symptoms, you, you isolate people. And it tended to happen in a certain area of the country, you know, Africa. There have been some other outbreaks around uh, the world as well. But, you know, I think with coronavirus, it was, you know, novel virus outbreak. We don't really understand it to begin with. We're gaining understanding of it, but by the time we're gaining some understanding of it, it's everywhere. And it's and then you have individuals like Rick said where you have no symptoms but you can spread it. And that's a problem, you know. And I mean how do you how do you stop something that does that? It's it's near impossible. Do you think we'll get to a point like with the flu where guessing which variant is going to come next and making vaccines for it. Do you think that that's where this is heading, where eventually we'll all be getting our flu shots and our COVID shots every year? I think so, yeah. I think that, um, I think they will be looking at what the dominant variant is for any given year. And I'm sure they're looking at it now for Delta. And that's why there's this talk of third shots and what we do in terms of the vaccination uh, protocol right now. But, um, you know, it's, it's natural selection for viruses that whatever can spread the easiest and replicate the easiest is going to be the dominant virus, you know, and, um, and until there's 
enough people vaccinated and enough efficacy of the vaccine to prevent or lower the spread of the virus, um, then there might be another variant that then trumps that one, right? But um, hopefully, as Rick said, our, our other colleagues who are doing research on this and developing vaccines can can keep coming up with good strategies for us. Yeah, so. man, it's not going anywhere. Yeah. Coronaviruses yeah. have been with us for forever. And, right. Right. you know, this is just one that isn't behaving like the other ones, but it's not going to magically stop. But I think the best case scenario we can hope for is figure out ways, obviously treating patients who do get sick from it. That's most important. But secondly is prevention. And I think global monitoring of different strains, sort of like the flu, and you're making educated guesses as to what we think will be the the very most virulent or the most bothersome strain for different regions and then tailoring vaccines to that. Um, but hopefully we can get to the point maybe where it's just low enough where if there are isolated outbreaks in the world, you can keep them isolated and prevent it from going global again. But I think that that genie may be out of the bottle for some time. I think it's going to take another year or two to kind of understand what strategy for vaccination is the best to control any of these variants. And, and it's going to change over time. But you know, I think the vaccinations and then, of course, I hear that there's other medications that we may be using, which maybe stop viral replication in the body. And who knows what's going to come out. But, you know, we'll, we'll see with time. I think there's second generation, right, more effective monoclonal mm-hmm. antibodies. I think they're now using for this strain versus yeah. the alpha strain. Yeah, we're using combinations of these antibody infusions for people who get infected, who are at risk of serious illness. So patients should definitely contact their physician if they get infected with coronavirus, test positive for it. If you have comorbid conditions, obesity, diabetes, other cardiac issues, you should contact your primary care physician and ask them about these antibody infusions, which could maybe prevent a hospitalization. So, you know, um, Danny, I think one of the things people always want to know is with changes in incidents, especially here in Northeast Florida, at least as the time of recording, you know, being a pretty big hotspot for COVID outbreak case numbers, hospitalizations, you know, we've obviously, unfortunately, had to walk back some of the policy changes we, mm-hmm. we made. Um, do you want to touch on some of them, you know, specifically thinking of masks when you're around vaccinated people? Right. You know, obviously, we always did it in the clinical setting. We never, we never took away masks when we're speaking with patients. Mm-hmm. And, but do you want to just kind of touch on some of those changes that we've kind of gone back on? Yeah, I think um, what we've done in our clinics, um, the universal mask wearing when you're in clinic and patients are coming in for clinic visit or consultation has remained the same. So everyone's masking up. When you walk into our clinic, we expect, you know, face masks to be worn. Providers are wearing face masks. I think that the number of individuals we're letting back into the infusion area hasn't changed either. We're, um, you know, having patients, uh, family members kind of wait outside during infusions just to allow for safety in the infusion area and and just limit the uh, ability of the virus to spread uh, because our patients are immunosuppressed. Um, You know, as far as the, uh, you know, decision to, to have everyone wearing a mask regardless of vaccination status, I think it makes sense uh, to us because we know that even our patients who are vaccinated, they still are at risk of viral infection from COVID-19 due to a lot of patients undergoing treatments which suppress the immune system and put them at risk. So we're doing this to protect our patients. Um, and uh, I don't know if you have anything else to add, Rick. What's everybody doing this weekend? Well, I have to work again, Brenna. I have to work again. Um, I keep doing that to you. 
I know. I know. I'm on call too. Are you? Nice. Yeah. Maybe we should take call from uh, the, golf <laughs> the golf course. I don't think the patients would like. No, that. no. I actually, I wasn't gonna lowball you here, Rick, but uh, oh boy. I have to. I have to actually go into work. Oh. And not not work from home. That's fair. But no, well, I have most to, of the country, I, <laughs> I enjoy working from home. <laughs> I know. No, I have to go. Um, I'll probably round at beaches, which is my my home turf, and then I go to St. Vincent Southside and over to uh, Memorial and. Um, but yeah, so we'll be doing that, and then the kids want to watch a movie tonight, so we're going to do that. Probably do some pool time once I get home. Probably it's a pretty standard weekend. I have to set up a sound bar. bought a new sound bar for the TV. Nice. So I'm pretty excited about it because it has built-in Alexa, Sonos. which everyone loves Alexa. You know? Yeah. Sonos? Samsung. I got a deal on it. Best Buy had a uh, Black Friday in July sale. Uh, of course they did. Are you the kind of guy that buys a bunch of stuff on Prime Day, too? <laughs> yeah. I haven't set it up yet, but hopefully it sounds good. You know. Sure, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Christmas in July. <laughs> bye, bye, bye. I do get sucked into these <laughs> advertisements. <laughs> oh, such a good deal! I, a one-day deal. Say no? What? One day? Who can say no? <laughs> I don't even need this, but such exactly. a good deal. The majority of the time, we don't need it, but you know, but it's going to sound so good, you right. know, movie night. Hopefully. Yeah, exactly. Hopefully. We'll be Hopefully ready. it works. So what's what movies on the agenda? Uh, well, Jungle Cruise. Okay. So we're gonna do that. Um, what do we watch? I think we watched Cruella recently, which was good. Okay. I don't know if you've seen that, that was good. Nice. Yeah. I don't, it's hard to watch adult movies with kids. You know, they don't they don't allow for it. They want to change the channel. You know, we turn on any. If I want to watch a, you know, action movie, they're not having it. Hmm. I thought action would be your best chance. It's always one when you have, when, and you'll see, when you get two, one's for it, one's against it. It's well, of course. It's always about put, 50%. Just put your foot down. Say, this is what Dad wants to watch. <laughs> That's true. That's Dad true. wants to watch Fast 9. I do. I do, <laughs> yeah. I actually wanted to watch Black Widow. I haven't seen that yet. I haven't watched it yet. My roommate saw it. They said it was really good. But good, yeah. yeah. Well, it looked good. <sighs> I just do whatever my two-year-old <laughs> tells me. And usually, what, and usually it involves things that... Involve my bodily harm, his bodily harm. I think my my wife is praying that yeah we survive. Well, I think generally the two two children are much different. At least that's what we saw with our two. So oh, um, ho- hopefully it'll be interesting. Hopefully it's not. It, it probably will at some point be tag team action. Well, I just want <laughs> honestly, I'd be okay with that. It yeah. means they're getting along. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I so want to get them to the age where they can entertain each other. That seems like oh, a yeah. solid solid W when you can pull that off. Yeah, sleep without coming into your room and bothering you, you know. Yep. You'll see. I mean, yeah, I, know. Yeah. I actually walked in. I, I was leaving the house this morning. I walked by the room. They were still sleeping, and uh, and Ethan had his arm around Arya Aww. in bed. It was sweet. It was so sweet. Yeah. Made all the black eyes worth it. It does. You get away with movie night with the kid. I mean, he we, we, we got him still on the good sleep routine where he goes down early enough. Early. We get a yeah. couple hours of quiet. But no, I don't think there's... Yeah. There's a Woodstock documentary on oh, Woodstock 99 on that. HBO that mm-hmm. is intriguing. I'm too cheap to pay 30 bucks to see Black Widow. I did start watching F1. I'm, th- I'm on the second season now. Okay, so now, can you bury the lead anymore? I'm sorry. Okay. I, I, <laughs> How amazing? I am addicted. I am, How amazing is that show? It's awesome. Yeah, and that, I guess there's so... This weekend there's... Um, I think it's the Hungary Grand, Hungarian Grand Prix. I think we we definitely need to schedule a trip to one of these Grand Prix. I mean, maybe the the one in America. Well, they're they're, <laughs> they're doing. There's an F1 race coming to Miami. 
next year, I think. Uh, Are they going to do it probably downtown Miami? They're going to do Robo. it in the city. Yeah, that's uh, awesome. It's going to be sweet. That is awesome. So, because it's in the one in America is in Austin right now, but I think they're. I don't know if it's going to be permanent, but I think it's yeah. going to be in Miami next year. Oh, that would be. I mean. That scene yeah. would be much better. I mean, but, I think we need to start texting people to see if they still live on Brickell so we can get a little yeah. little site down there. But yeah, Hungarian Grand Prix this weekend. That's awesome. That, did you watch any of the British a couple weeks ago? I haven't wa- no, I haven't watched the real deal. Okay. <laughs> I'm just watching okay. the documentary right now. But but it's cool. I mean, I, I it's high stress, high stress environment, you know. And I mean, how easily they, you know, the cars either wreck or like something happens mm-hmm. and they spend all this time leading up to the race. They're like, okay, I need, I need to get points this race. And then on the first lap, they're done, you know, and it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's all by hundredths of a second. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Tons of money too. I mean, the amount of money they put into mm-hmm. this is just crazy. Car go fast. Must go faster. Thanks so much for coming back and joining us on another episode of Medical Minute. If you have any suggestions on things we should talk about, questions you'd like answered, or just want to say hi, please email us at medicalminute at csnf.us. And make sure you follow us on social media. Search Cancer Specialists of North Florida on Facebook and underscore CSNF on Twitter and Instagram. As always, we appreciate you giving us a few minutes of your time, and we hope you learned something today. And remember, when it comes to your health, stay informed. Ask questions. And tune in next time.